Amen. Appreciate that. If you would take your Bible and turn to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. And I'm going to read verses 1 through 8. And Lord willing, if we have time, we're going to speak to every one of you today. We're going to speak to the aged men, the aged women. Well, there's no aged women here, right? The young women and the young men. So we're going to speak to all of you. It's all here in this passage. Anyway, chapter 2. Verse 1, speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience, the aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. They may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, Good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Young men, likewise, exhort to be sober-minded, in all things showing thyself a pattern of good works, in doctrine showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. Now, the title of the message this morning is simply, The Fruit of Sound Doctrine. Verse 1 says, Speak thou the things which become, or are fitting of, or go along with, sound doctrine. This is what sound doctrine produces. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for your word. We thank you for the opportunity we have to open it. We thank you we have your word of God preserved for us in our own language. And I pray as we look into the Word of God that you'd help us to open our minds and our hearts to receive thy truth. Father, I pray that the Spirit of God would work and have free reign and have his way in each and every heart. For your glory and for your honor, for our good, we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now the word sound is used in this passage in the book of Titus quite regularly <clears throat> excuse me means to be sound to be well to be in good health and it's, and it's used of Christians whose opinions are free from any admixture of error or one who keeps these graces sound or that is healthy and strong it's used four times in the first two chapters of Titus in chapter 1 verse 9 It says, holding fast the faithful word as he had been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. Excuse me. Again in chapter chapter 1, verse 13, this witness is true, wherefore rebuke them sharply, that they may be sound in the faith. And then here in chapter 2, verse 1 and verse 2. Excuse me. So so he's telling us that we are to be sound 
and we be sound in doctrine. Now, the word become, it says the things that become sound doctrine, the word becomes means things that stand out, are conspicuous. You might say, well, that was a little bit conspicuous, or that was plain to see. You know, that stood out like a sore thumb. Well, that's the idea here. It means to stand out, to be eminent, to be fitly. So, there ought to be some things that show itself uh, conspicuously to the world and to others around us if we are living and walking in sound doctrine. You see, the world has this idea that doctrine doesn't affect life. Well, then they don't believe the Bible. Because the Bible is a book of doctrine, but doctrine, what you believe, it's what you believe in the teachings of the Scripture, and what you believe affects how you live. You know, the book of Ephesians, for example, the first four chapters are mostly doctrinal. The last two, five and six, this is how it applies. Book of Romans, you have, you have 16 chapters. And the first 11 are basically doctrinal. The last 12 through 16, it's all about how this applies to life. You see, doctrine affects how you live. It's teaching and instruction. Uh, and so it is used, this is used to point out something. You know, this, what he's saying here, this sound doctrines, there will be fruit to it, or these things will happen, or these will, things will exist if there is sound doctrine. And it has an effect on every age and gender group. Aged men, young men. Aged women, young women. It's pretty comprehensive. So, as we look at this this morning, I want to look at this first of all, I want to look, look at the effects on each age group. First of all, the effect of the aged men. In verses one, or verse 2, uh, <clears throat> he says, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. Now, you know, Paul referred to himself as Paul the aged. He was an older man. And, of course, aged means, you know, he's come to be, or happen, that happens, you know, you come of age. And so he, he lists some things here that ought to be uh, 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 conspicuous of aged men, or stand out of aged men. And the first thing he says is to be sober. And the word sober here is nephilim, os, or something that effect. And, and I don't, off, don't always talk about Greek words, but there's a purpose for here this morning, because... The word sober is used, um, I didn't count them how many times, but quite a few times in this passage, and there's two different words that mean two different things. But the English word is sober for the same thing, but it's referring to different things. And this word here means abstaining from wine. Men, abstain from wine. If you're going to walk in sound doctrine, you're going to abstain from wine. You know, we looked a couple weeks ago about the effects of alcohol, and it's a, you know, it is an addictive substance. And so the Bible is telling us, look, abstain from wine. Be vigilant. You know, one of the things a wino is not is vigilant. They're not very aware of the things that are going on around them. You know, they're dulled. Their senses are not alert. And so he's telling us, look, stay away from wine. You need to be vigilant, aged men. You also need to be grave. Grave. That word grave doesn't mean you're buried. No, it means you're honorable. You're honest. Uh, 
In fact, three times the word is translated grave, one time it's translated honest in the Bible. So it refers to somebody that's honorable or can be trusted, who's upright, he's honest in his dealings, in his life. You can depend on his word. Uh, you know, it used to be a, a, a man's word was as good as a signed contract or better. Nowadays, you can sign a contract, and that doesn't mean much. No, God wants God's people to be honest. Be honest. Honorable. We're to be temperate. That word temperate means curbing one's desires and impulses. So we need to have some self-control. And really, self-control, I think, is a misnomer as you think about human nature we can't really control ourselves. You know, we, we can pride ourselves in our control, but what we really need is spirit control. We need to be controlled by the Spirit of God. We need to be under the submission of the Spirit of God and controlled by Him. You know, we, all of us have uh, desires and impulses that, that, if we aren't careful, can, can dis- destroy us, and so we have to be constantly on guard and allowing the Spirit of God to control us. <clears throat> so we're to be temperate. And then he says, sound in the faith. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that speak, uh, simply means speaking of one with confidence in the word of the Lord. It, it speaks of a man who's walked with God, who's seen God work. He's experienced the experiences of God in his life. And he's seen God keep his promises. And, and he has confidence that the word of God is true, that God will perform that which he has said. Confidence. You know, I often tell people, if people come to me for counseling, and they say, you know, you know, sometimes people say, well, Pastor, are you really qualified? And I used to say no. Because I really don't feel that I am. However, you know, if you look at me from the world, I'm not qualified. However, that's what I tell them. I have absolute confidence in the Word of God. And it has addresses every issue that pertains to life. And I, one of the things I do, I will say, and I have confidence in saying it, and I don't think I'm bragging, I have pretty good knowledge of that Bible. I've read through it quite a few times. So I, I know whereof it speaks. And I've had experience and seen how it, helped other people and that it will perform that which it, it speaks of. See, we need to have, the aged men need to have confidence in the word of God. We trust it. We rely on it. We believe it. We'll make our decisions based on it. And not be deterred by the world and its philosophies and its deceptions and persuasions. Sound in the faith. He goes on and says, not only be sound in the faith, we'd be in charity. Uh, <clears throat> in charity. Charity means affection, goodwill, benevolent. You know, and really, the word charity has the idea of a, of a giving heart. One that wants to give of themselves. You know, it, we, we need to be men who, who want to see others prosper, not only, not only you know, uh, in this world, but prosper spiritually and do that which is pleasing to God, that they might know the blessing of God. Yeah, my heart 
ache sometimes for when people, when I know they're not doing what they should be and knowing that they're going to receive the blessing of God. You know, sometimes my wife and I talk about, yeah, well, I'd just like to take a hammer and pound it into their heads. But you can't do that. But charity. You have goodwill or benevolence. Patience. And the, the word patient here speaks of steadfastness or endurance. It, it speaks of the characteristic of a man who is unswerved from his purpose and his loyalty to the faith, his faith in God, and even in the greatest trials and sufferings of life. You know, Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.10, Thou hast fully known my doctrine, my manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience. And a good example of his patience is in Acts 20, verse 22-24, he says, Now behold, I go bound in the Spirit on Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. So I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit witnessing and I'm going to quit preaching. And I'm going to go live my life in seclusion. No, that's not what he put. That's not what he said. No, he said, these bonds and afflictions abide me. This is what's coming in my life. But none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received the Lord Jesus testify of the gospel of grace of God. That was endurance. That was his patience. He would endure the trials of life to obey his Lord, to follow him wherever. You know, when you are faced with the trials of life, do you compromise? When you're challenged concerning Bible truth, do you concede? You know, that's what patience here is referring to. It's like Job. He endured his trials unchanged in his loyalty to God. You know, though everything else, everyone, he lost everything, and even his wife said, curse God and die, he, he, he said, you speak like a foolish woman. He, he said, I esteem the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. And though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. That's endurance. Men, we need to be willing to endure the hardships of life. Endure them. The second group we see here is the aged women. <clears throat> Excuse me, in verses 3 and 4, the aged women likewise. So, so these characteristics, some of these characteristics need to be also in women. But that, and then he asks some things, that they be in behavior as becoming holiness. So, so these, are, these characteristics are behaviors, typical of holiness, of holy living. Not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, they may teach young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children. So the aged women likewise, or in other words, in like manner, their, their behavior, or their demeanor, or their deportment, that's what manner means, their conduct uh, 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 is becoming or uh, like uh, displays holiness, their actions that are sacred to God. And he says they're not to be false accusers. Now, 
this is an interesting word. It means prone to slander, slanderous, accusing falsely. And here's the interesting, this is a strong word. This is an interesting thing. So this word is used 38 times in the New Testament and 35 times it's translated devil. In other words, this is devilish. Falsely accusing somebody is devilish. You know, we learned in Sunday school this morning that Eve was deceived. Adam sinned willfully. He knew what he was doing. You know, the Bible speaks of the woman as the weaker vessel, one to be in submission. So when you don't get your way or win an argument, do you resort to false accusations? False accusing, slander. This is a tactic the world uses to discredit people. We were listening to the creationists. My wife's been listening to some, and, and you know, the world went after this creationist to discredit him. Slander. So discredit is false accusations. This is devilish. It's unbecoming of a woman of holiness. Uh, he goes on and says to abstain, again, not given to much wine. So again, abstaining from alcohol. That, that has the idea of abstaining from alcohol. Very obvious. Abstaining from wine. And then it says, teachers of good things. In other words, now, the word teacher here is teaching, or teaching of good things. It refers to teaching that which is good, a teacher of goodness. Uh, you know, goodness can be described as, uh, uh, as alms deeds or things of that nature. You know, Acts 9.36 uh, speaks of Dorcas and all the things that she, the good that she did in the alms deed. And, you know, it speaks of benefaction or conferring benefit or a donation to the poor. Uh, you know, you study the life of the virtuous woman in Proverbs 31, and she was a woman of good works, of good deeds, of alms deeds. You know, she not only provided for her house, she provided for the poor and needy. She was known as a woman of good deeds. Care. You know, if she'd have been in the, in the New Testament in Luke chapter 16 uh, and known about the, la- the, the, the Lazarus laying at the, the gate of the rich man, she'd have been helping him. Caring for him. Good deeds. And the aged women are to teach. Here's who they're to teach. They're to teach young women. Now, the word they may teach is one word in Greek. It's phronazio. I think I said that right. And, and I'm sorry, that's not... That's, May teach yet yeah, it is so fr- so front fronezio. That's not how you pronounce. It. I'm trying to remember how to pronounce that word. Anyway, uh, and it means to restore one. Here's the interesting thing. Okay, they may teach, and the word sober. Look look at verse four again. That they may teach the young women to be sober. They may teach. And the word sober are the same Greek word. And this Greek word means restore one to his senses 
to moderate control, curb, discipline, to hold one to his duty, to admonish, to exhort earnestly. So, God repeats himself. We heard in Sunday school class this morning that in Genesis chapter 2, when God told Adam and Eve they could eat of the tree, he said, you may freely eat. And Chris brought out that the word freely and the word eat are the same word in Hebrew. Really, it means you can eat, eat. You eat all you want. You can have abundance of food here. You can eat all you eat, eat. There's emphasis there for a reason. That's the same thing that's going on here. They may teach, and to be sober are the same Greek word. And that word means to restore one to his senses. And they're to teach the young women to retain their senses. That's really what we're saying. Isn't it true? Now, you, you, you age of women, you know, you can understand this too. When that, you know, handsome prince came along the first time that you kind of lost your senses. You couldn't think about anything. You couldn't think rationally. Isn't that what young ladies do? A guy talks to him. I mean, he may be a goofball. But some guy talks to them and they lose all their senses. And, and they lose their, rash, their rationale with the flattery of a young man. And in effect, really, you know, it comes from the same word it means intoxication. And in a sense, really, it means they become emotionally intoxicated because a man whispers sweet nothings to them. Which are just empty words, but used for that effect. And too often, you know, we feed our, imagina- our, our emotions, imagination with dramatized stories and all that kind of you know, thing. That's, that's, that's the world today. Television is full of that. Walter Fremont in his book, Family Unity, said in essence that the TV, if you watch a lot of TV, it'll make you an emotional person. Because it's drama, 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 drama. If you want your kids to be emotional people, Watch a lot of television. Because it has an emotional appeal. So again, there's a double emphasis here. Again, I didn't write the book. So don't blame me for this. I'm just giving you what the Bible says. Yeah, God knows us better than anyone. And so so the aged women are to instruct young women to, to not have this unrealistic view of life, where they can't see the forest from the trees, where they, they fail to see the seriousness and the dangers of, of, of bad relationships or the dangers of becoming false accusers when they don't get their way with their husband. That's really the context here is talking about, because it's talking about to love their husbands, to love children. So it's really, he's specifically talking to, to married, young married women. Look, be careful. You don't accuse your husband because you don't get what you want. How many women th- marry a man thinking, I'll change him when I get him?
or they fail to see him for what he is, or vice versa. So, you know, again, that's a recipe for disaster. So the, young, the aged women are to teach young women, that is, to restore them to their senses. This has the idea of correcting their ways, their thinking. It also says that they are to teach them to love their husbands. And I believe these, all these things go together, to love their husbands. The, the, the word love here means to be affectionate as a wife, to show warm feelings for. Uh, the word affection means devotion, feelings that influence our actions. Uh, one writer said, quote, let love dominate your influence and assistance in the home, unquote. And so you, you, you might say, well, why would you have to teach a young woman to love her husbands? Well, you, dating is not real life. Marriage is. And marriage is work. It's sacrifice. It's submission. There's a lot of words we don't like there that go contrary to our human nature. Husbands are commanded to love their wives, Ephesians 5, 25 through 32. And wives are commanded to reverence, to honor. And here they're commanded, they're said they need to be taught to love their husbands. Because there are going to be days where you do not feel like it and you do not want to and then there's going to be days you don't want to feel like loving your wife that's why the Bible says be not bitter against them by the way loving your husband precedes loving your children your husband came first Too often, wives put everything into their children and not their husband. And then they wonder why, when the kids are gone, they're they're strained. So, the aged women are to teach the young women to love their husbands. They're also to teach them to love your children. Now, every mother loves their children, right? You know, even good mothers have days where they're down in the dumps and they're stressed, taking care of all these children, and they, f- they just want rid of them for a day. Do you know why? Because children are a lot of work. They're tiring. They're tiring. They can become a burden. And so, you know, the aged women are to teach young women to love their children. That word love there means to be fond of. It's a different word, actually, than the, a little different than the word love your husbands, but it's to be fond of. And, 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 and so they, they need to be consistently challenged to love their children. 
to consider the responsibility and the privilege, the privilege they have to raise children for the glory of God. And he goes on. I must hurry here for sake of time. But anyway, uh, to be discreet, verse 5, to be discreet means, it's in, and it's the same root word as the word teach and sober in this passage, is sophronae, and it means curbing one's desires and impulses, self-controlled or temperate. So you're not, let, learn not to let your emotions control you, but bring them in submission to the truth. And that's typical of all of us. Whether you're a man or a woman, you need to learn to not let your emotions control you, but to bring them into submission to the truth. But he's particularly talking here to women. Women are the more emotional creature. They were created that way. And the aged women, or to help young women with this, and to, to be chaste, that means pure from carnality, chaste, modest, uh, in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, the Bible says, Likewise, you wives, be in subjecting to your own husbands, that if any be not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wise, while they hold, behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. So they behold your, 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 your purity, your modesty, uh, uh, conversation. Uh, James 3.17, the word there is translated wisdom. The wisdom that's from above is first pure. Actually, it's the word pure. You know, what are you more concerned about? That it's fun or right? Will you compromise to make it fun? Exciting? Uh, so chaste. Then he goes on and says, keepers at home, verse 5. Keepers at home. The word keepers at home means caring for the house, working at home, domestically inclined, and don't miss this one, a guard. Mothers, you are a guard for your children. There are a lot of predators. And not, not just people that, talking about people that walk on legs. There's a lot of predatory things in this world out to destroy our children. It's always been the case that men went to work. And the woman was the guard of the house. The mother was the guard of the house to guard those children. And 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 so she she's to she's domestic inclined to guard one to beware. You know you ever hear, you've heard of women's intuition? Now, sometimes it's not always, but many times women have intuition about things that turn out to be right. I believe that's a God-given thing. To watch. The word watch means a keeper of the house. It seems like mothers have a way of knowing what's going on. So be discerning. Uh, to be good. Now, means that, that word good there means to be of a good nature, of a feeling awakened by what is pleasant, agreeable, joyful, happy. It's talking about your attitude, your spirit. Obedient to your own husband, 
That means to be arranged under. So this is a willful thing you do of your own, uh, own accord. You put yourself under. You arrange under. You're subordinate to. You subject oneself to your own husband. Not to everybody else's husband, but your own husband. You're not subject to every other man out there. You, know, you don't have to listen to everything. No, you need to be subject to your own husband or your father if you're not married. That's your authority. And so the aged women are to teach young women these things. And he goes on and says that, so that, so these things are to be true, so that the word of God be not blasphemed. See, if these things aren't true in a Christian home, the word of God is contradicted. It causes people to think evil of it. And to speak evil of God, our Savior. So again, these are things that become sound doctrine, the aged, aged women and young women. And then finally, we'll look at the young men, verses 6 through 8. Young men likewise, so again, these things apply to young men as well, likewise exhort to be sober-minded and that word sober there means to be in one's right mind. It has the idea similar to the young women. To be in one's right mind, it also means to curb your passions. Uh, it means to put a moderate estimate upon oneself. In other words, you're to think soberly about yourself. Look at Romans chapter 12 and verse 3. Romans chapter 12 and verse 3. Romans 12 and verse 3 says this, For I say through the grace given unto me to every one that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. So don't think more of yourself than you should. You know, Love young men think they've been deprived of the good others have and, you know, that God has not been fair or whatever and they are right and everybody else is wrong. Well, you're just thinking highly of yourself, that's all. You're not sober. And people just don't understand. You know, life is not fair. Well, welcome to the real world. Life isn't fair. And I'll give you two reasons why life's not fair. Number one, because we live in a sin-cursed world. And as long as we live in a sin-cursed world, there will be no equality. Which, by the way, you and I contribute to. So when you start blaming everyone else for all your problems and all, everything that's unfair in your life, just remember you, com- you contribute to the sin of this world. So do I. We all do. The second reason that life's not fair is because of our own sin, choices we make. When we make sinful choices, it, it brings hardship and suffering. And, and, of course, that can happen even if you don't make, aren't a wicked and evil person. Look at Job. That has to do with a sin. So, so we're to be, young men, be sober. Don't think more of yourself than you ought. Curb your passions. Have a right mind about yourself. And then it says, 
in all things, verse 7, showing thyself a pattern of good works. The word showing means to offer or to pre- pre- present oneself. So it's like you're a public example. You're on display. And by the way, you are. You're on display. People are going to watch you. And, and it means, and the word pattern here means to show oneself an example of good works. An example to be imitated. Young men, are you living lives, something you think would God would be pleased with, and that others should follow? That's the idea here. We always saw that the aged women, should, or aged men and aged women should be doing this, but young men, this is what you need to strive for. To be an example that others could follow that would glorify God. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12. Paul's writing to Timothy. Timothy is a younger man. Paul would be considered an aged man. You know, Timothy is, of course, you know, I'm, I'm guessing he's in his 20s. You know, he's a pastor this time, but he's still considered a young man. Uh, and, he, and it says this, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers. And he gives them six things. In word, it has to do with the words you say. The words you say. Are the words that come out of your mouth a pattern of good works? You know, somebody that has to use curse words it just reveals they have poor character. I remember if you if you, if you ever watched, I'm trying to remember which uh, the, the name of the the uh, one of the movies that Bob Jones put out. Yeah, it was the uh, Civil War one. You know, it was Stonewall Jackson and and General Yule, and General Yule was the cussing general. And Jackson said to him, in effect, that you know, a man that has to use curse words just lacks character. You know, if you have character, you, you, you don't have to add curses to what you're saying. You just mean what you say. And you let your yea be yea and your nay be nay. Anything more of that cometh of evil. You have to add curses to it. No. Words. The example of words, conversation, that's how you live, how you conduct yourself, your mannerisms. In charity, again, that goes back to being benevolent. Giving of yourself in spirit, your attitude, your outlook on life. In faith, there's confidence in the word of God and in purity. Living pleasing to the Lord. So these are the things. You know, what is the most important to you, young men, money or the mind of God? Muscles or being a man of God? No, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with muscles. I like to have muscles. But you know, being directed by God's word, which is which is to renew your mind, being led by the, His Spirit, or your own carnal impulses. What is most important to you? By the way, if if God's things are going to be important to you, you're going to have to spend some time in the Word of God. More than just sitting here three times a week, because we need to renew our minds day by 
day. Because that outward man is going to perish. But the inward man can be renewed day by day. And so, young man, you need to show yourself a pattern of good works. Showing uncorruptness. It says in doctrine in verse uh, uh, 7. In doctrine, showing uncorruptness. Uh, means integrity of mind. Do you accept the scriptures as it is or try and rest it or manipulate it to suit your own ends? And of course, there's some examples in the book of Timothy concerning that. Uh, do you accept God on his church for, for who he is and, or is it just a crutch for your advantage? Gravity. Verse 7, again, gravity has the idea of honesty, honor, purity, upright. Sincerity means incorruption. And, and it had the word, and this is I find interesting, the word perpetuity in the definition. In other words, it's, I think the idea here is you're, you're, you're sincere, you're honest in your intentions continually. Continually. Perpetuity has the idea of continuous. So your, your intentions, you are sincere continually. Continually. You're without ulterior motives. You're sincere in your purpose. And then it goes on to sound speech. We talked about that from Timothy. But sound speech means wholesome, fit, wise. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth but that which is good to the use of edifying, that may minister grace unto the hearers. Proverbs 15.4 says, A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. Is your tongue a tree of life or a breach? And notice... He goes on and says, Sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. You know, the world is going to try and point things in your life and say, Ha, 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 ha. You say you're a Christian and you do that. By the way, the world has some knowledge of what is right and wrong. They have a conscience. They may not know the Bible. They're also children of the devil. And the devil knows what's right and wrong. But they have this conscience that tells them this is right and this is wrong. They don't have power over it. So when you do that which is wrong, they're going to know it. If your mouth is filthy, they're going to point it out and say, There goes some Christians again. So the question is, are we men, young men, examples of soberness, soundness in doctrine, speech that's a pattern of good works that cannot be spoken against? You know, we don't want to have Give people evil things to say about us. Now, you're not going to live a perfect life. 
But when you do something wrong, the best thing you can do for anyone around you that sees you is own up to it. Admit it. They will respect you for it. So again, these are things that become or are fruits of sound doctrine. See, doctrine affects our living. Bible doctrine, Bible teaching. So whether you're an aged man, an aged woman, a young woman, or a young man, you need to consider the things that please God. The things that are becoming of sound doctrine. Holiness. Not false accusers. Pleasant, agreeable, sound speech. All these things. Sober. The question is, how do we measure up? How is my life? Is there areas in my life that are not pleasing to the Lord, that are not becoming of sound doctrine? If there are, we need to confess them and forsake them. That our lives may show forth a pattern of good works, pleasing to God, and one that the world won't have any evil to say about.